0: This is Questions of Faith on Radio Maria. On today's programme, we have Father Luke Goimer and Father Simon Blakesley, both diocesan priests from the Diocese of East Anglia. Good. Hello, gentlemen. How are you?
1: We're all right. <laughs> hello. Hello, hello. I, am I speaking for you? Am I presuming too much, Luke? No, no, After no. no. Our, our exercises of yesterday...
2: It was long. We had a long day. We had a long training day yesterday. We had a long
1: training day. And the IT is not as cool as Radio Maria's IT. Oh, no.
0: Well, let me, before we pray, let me share with the listeners what you guys are talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, the Diocese of East Anglia, as the the whole church, the Catholic Church in general, takes safe. Guarding very very seriously and yesterday in the diocese of anglia uh, anglia diocese uh all the priests east anglia had to go and take a safeguarding uh training day so it was i'm sure it was lovely to see some of your friends that you may have not seen for a while
2: that was cool yeah there you go cool That that was good it's nice to see all the priests together and have dinner
0: um, uh, was dinner nice? Lunch, lunch was wasn't lunch. lunch, lunch,
2: lunch, not dinner, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And the nice. material was very good, but the um he suffered, as Father Simon said, from uh, um the IT issues and microphone issues. <laughs> oh
0: no, we have those here as well. We shall pray for those people.
2: Oh God bless <laughs> them. It is not good.
0: But let's speaking of prayer, Father Luke, could you start us off on our program the best way we can with a prayer?
2: Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Father, we come before you this day in the presence of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon us this day, upon all of our listeners, upon all of us who will discuss these questions. Help us to be open to you, open to deepening our knowledge and love of you and your church And in doing so, may we give glory to you in all that we discuss this day. And we ask this through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
0: All right, listeners, we are going to prepare you for the festivities that's coming up next week, starting with the Feast of Corpus Christi. Time out, listeners! All during this program, you are very welcome to call in. Call in with your questions, or perhaps we left out something in our answers. Well, I'll call in and sh- share some of your answers as well. The number is oh one two two three three seven five. Five six, four. I'm very pleased to say, over the last couple of weeks, we have had at least one caller into the program. Listeners, don't let us down today. Call, call, call. But the first question, though, that we have, regard and it doesn't regard uh, Corpus Christi, but it does regard the body of Christ. All right, Father Luke. All right, Father Simon. Here we go.
1: Well, I have to warn you, I haven't seen these questions, but I'll do my darndest... You gave a really good answer.
0: You're going to be brilliant. You're going to be brilliant. The Holy Spirit is amongst us. It's going to be good. Here we go. So, this person has written in, I believe they are, yes, they are a mother of a first communion person that's going to be getting it this coming Sunday. Oh, how exciting, Corpus Christi. So, she says that over the past years, I've noticed that people are behaving differently at communion. Uh, When she was growing up, almost everyone stood and took communion on their hand. Now she sees some people genuflecting. Uh, Granted, I think she's moved to parishes, so there's different locations. Uh, She sees some people genuflecting, some people bowing before taking communion. Some people kneel and take the communion on their hands. And then there's also some people that take their communion on their tongue. Now, when I was growing up, my parents did that. Now, why has this happened? And does it even really matter? I'm gonna let Father Luke start with this because I know you also have a first communion group starting on Corpus
2: Christi. I do, I do, I do, I do. And um uh, yeah, thank you for this question. It's a, an interesting question. Question um get asked from time to time, actually. I don't know if um, if, if Father Simon concurs, but it does, it does, it does come up. Um Two two aspects to the question. Uh, let's focus on the main aspect. There's one about difference in communion on the hand and communion on tongue, um, but the the main aspect I think was how people approach uh, the altar for communion, how people receive communion. Um, so the the law of the church says that you're to make an act of reverence before um, receiving holy communion, acknowledging that the. Um, the body, the the, um, Holy Communion is the body and blood of Christ. However, the caveat to that is that the law of the church is interpreted by each bishop's conference. And when I say the law of the church, I'm talking about the liturgical uh, laws and norms. And the uh, Catholic bishops of England and Wales long established that the uh, procession up to the altar constituted the act of reverence uh, in this region. So, um, when you uh, reverently uh, process up to the altar, queue up, uh, and receive communion, you are making your act of reverence. Now, um, there is nothing to uh, prohibit you from making uh, an additional act of reverence. However, um, I would argue that uh, the sign value of receiving Holy Communion, um, making the same gesture as everyone else, being uni- unified in that act, um, has uh, a lot of merit. So that's something that I would, I would factor in. Uh, Now, with people, uh, immigration, of course, um, uh, much more of a a reality than it was (laughs) in the past. People move around a lot more. We have people from different dioceses, different cultures, different countries. Um, Often they bring all of that into the mix, and we don't talk about these things very often. So people come and receive communion um, uh, the way in which they are used to receiving communion. Now I, I don't really have too much of a problem with that, to be honest. Um, As long as people are receiving Holy Communion, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, reverently in their hearts, uh, whether that's on the tongue or on the hand, as long as they're recognizing that this is the the most sacred thing that we can do and that we're unified, um, how they receive... Uh, is uh, um, up to them to a point um, father simon i don't know if you want to um, uh, correct me no. dive in or <laughs> say other things
1: no no you're you're quite right in the sense that um the bishops said that the procession is the sign of reverence um insofar as people aren't barging, bumping and barging in the queue and and are being respectful towards each other i, I think that's true um what we have Recognised obviously over the, the COVID crisis, is that um, to minimise any kind of skin to skin contact, particularly of the mucosal areas, which could be um, containing um, more potentially more virus than just dry skin surfaces, that communion on the tongue is is um, not encouraged because the priest would, or the minister would really have to sanitize their hands between each person receiving communion in that way. It's possible to do that. And I can remember back in 1971, I wrote a, a letter to the Catholic Herald, staunchly defending communion on the tongue and, and really being quite bitter about the introduction of communion in the hand as as an intrinsically less reverent way of receiving Holy Communion. But I I think I, over the years, uh, which are many, um, I've come to recognize that it is possible to receive communion in the hand very reverently. The problem is that people do receive communion in so many different ways, which becomes, I think, a distraction, particularly when you're trying as father w- luke will be with his first communion children to get them to receive communion in the same way in a reverent way in a safe way and in a way that they will remember and will be for them uh, you know a lifetime habit of mm-hmm. receiving communion in the same way and i think my anxiety about all of these different um slightly quirky ways of receiving communion is that it doesn't give to uh, children looking on the message that there is one way to receive Holy Communion and it's a reverent way. People get confused. They don't know which their dominant hand is or they hold their hands very flat so that the, the host can can slide off if they've got very shiny skin or or they receive it in, in in such a clenched hand that it's very difficult to um, drop the, the host in without touching their fingers. So I think we have, how shall I say, uh, an issue of liturgical table manners. Um, <laughs> and we need to make sure that everybody's table manners are correct and sufficiently the same to, to be giving the same message um, as Father Luke says, that this is the holiest thing that we do, and we should do it in a way which reflects that inner desire for holiness and reverence. Agreed.
0: My thought on this is for this person that's written in that, uh, why didn't, I feel, I'm very happy that they've written this question in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please do send in the questions. But why... This must be covered in First Communion classes, Um, but I know that things are changing, things are looking differently, and that First Communion is taught differently in the parish, in in schools and whatnot. Is there a... And then sometimes the parish priest is involved, sometimes it's not, sometimes the parents are involved, sometimes they're not. What do you guys think makes a good First Communion class or group group? session I don't even want to say the word class anymore because it's 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 not a something to learn that it's making disciples out of these kids
2: yeah, but I mean that, that's a huge topic, Helena. Um, <laughs> that's a huge topic. What makes a good class or course or whatever is catechists who um, know and love Jesus Christ, who understand the sacrament, are on fire for the gospel. I mean, you know, that's that is and, a good and, answer. And, and that that's true of any any person in ministry or catechesis or anything. Um, um, yeah. And what you've got to remember is that people res- have made their first Holy Communion in different countries and cultures and times and places.
0: Ah, uh, yes, ah, uh, yes, ah, uh, yes, yes.
2: And before COVID, I would have taught all of my children to receive either on the hand or on the tongue, um, because that's the tradition in this parish. Now I don't at the moment, because um, th- that's just... Uh, not practical here. If People want to receive on the tongue, as Father Simon says. I make I make provision for those people, but the the norm at the moment is uh, uh, is very much on the hand.
0: Good answer. Good answer.
1: The the practice we have is that if you want to receive communion on the tongue, you come last in the procession.
3: Yeah, and where
1: the people receiving on the tongue are doing so at their own risk, mm. um, and then I wash my hands briefly after I've given communion to people who wish to receive on the tongue. I I think it, it is, I can understand the desire to become as childlike as possible. Um, the Lord says, unless you become like little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And I, I, I think receiving communion in the hand is a bit like the toddler who who insists on feeding themselves. They want to <laughs> grab the spoon off you and and Assert that kind of um, independence about how they are being fed, um, and to to receive communion on the tongue is a is a sign of of becoming uh, an infant again, um, and and being fed by the Lord in a way where you know we are being fed, we don't have any control over that. Whereas I think there's a desire to exercise control over how we are being fed by receiving communion in the hand i mean that's a bit of pop psychology i I would imagine but it's still something that i can understand why people are so um upset about Mm. having to receive communion in the hand when they have always had this um understanding that they are being fed by the lord and, and as as a loving child as a loving infant uh, it's fed by by their mother. So, yeah, I I fully understand. And as I say, you know, 50 years ago, I was banging the drum uh, against communion in the hands. So, um, you know, I have to own up to that. But as long as people are receiving communion in the same way, and that goes back to first communion classes and making sure that we're teaching children from the word go and not just in the last class as it were before they make first Holy communion but it's something that we're um giving a clear message from the beginning and reinforcing that at every possible opportunity and then please god the way people receive in in church um will reinforce that message to the children because what they will see is sorry to use the jargon best practice
2: it's necessary though it's a, it's a it's a good thing best practice just um uh, it's a bit of shameless uh, promotion but um do it um, do it <laughs> not really promotion because I haven't done anything um I have a blog fatherlukegoymore.com and I haven't written on that blog for a long time because of covid and other things um life became busy but about 2 years ago I wrote an article about this Um, just talking about the various issues. It was something that came up in discussion in the parish. So if you search on fatherlukegoymore.com, you can read um, my thoughts uh, talking around the issue of communion in the hand and on the tongue. It was about two years ago um, that it was posted.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, One more point uh, that Father Simon made is... uh... Be an example, parents, be that example uh, of giving reverence to to the Eucharist, not only when you're processing up to receive, but the moment you walk into that church, every time you cross in front of the altar, take a moment and really be reverent at that time and the kids will see it and they will soak it in and little by little they'll understand that this is something special this is this is not just uh, mystical or not magical and then as they're going through that class they'll be learning all these that this is the body of Christ that this is, this is and it'll it'll all Little puzzle pieces will get together and they'll they'll better understand it. And then as you get older, you'll notice, as this re- person has written in different ways, to show that reverence. And there you have it. All right, listeners, I want a caller. Uh, well, we, we want a caller. We want a caller. The number to call is zero one, two two, three three seven, five five. Six, four. You can call from abroad too if you're outside of the UK. The number is 0044 1223 375 We are waiting for your questions or perhaps you have some reflections on receiving the Eucharist. Saving love for
4: all, Lord of and earth, Father's love for all. I bow to you, Jesus, Lamb of God, saving love for all, Lord of heaven and earth. I bow to you, bow to you, bow to you.
0: Dear listeners, we do want you to call. Ask us whatever kind of question you would like. Uh, it would help if it was about faith, because I've got two experts on it on the radio today. Father Luke and Father Simon. The number to call is 01223-375-564. This is Radio Maria, and this is Questions of Faith. If you have any questions, do call in, even while we're talking on air. The number is 223 375 All right. We've got our next question that was sent in uh, previously. We've got a couple of questions sent in. Some of them have been asked recently, and that's why we might not be doing them today. Uh, it's not because... <laughs> Please know that these are all, we're all like, oh yeah, these are questions. But if they've been asked before, I'm like, oh no, er, not again. And so do listen to our podcast, Questions of Faith with Radio Maria England, and you'll be able to hear back some of those answers. And we will bring them to live programs, maybe in a couple of, uh, of months. But we, we just can't do three weeks in a row about the Holy Trinity with the similar question. But anyway, to the question. Father Simon, this person—I don't know if it's a, uh, a woman or a man—it's it's, it's a, an anonymous—has written that they've seen that the line drawings of the fish is a symbol that is used as a symbol of Christianity sometimes. Where does it come from? And they haven't really seen it in the Catholic Church much, or at least their parish. What do you think, Father Simon? This drawing of a fish.
1: Drawing of a fish. It was um, really a, a, a kind of um, oblique symbol um, that was used to identify um, Christians to other Christians when they were having to be more or less an underground movement. Um, and the reason that it, it, it's Christian is because the, the Greek word for fish, ichthus. Um, would become a mnemonic of Jesus Christ, Son of God, Saviour, uh, iota, uh, chi, theta, epsilon, sigma. You see, I had to look that up, you see. Um, but it's a, a, a simple sign that Christians would know when they saw it, uh, you know, either a Christian lives here or a Christian has been here, or... There is some kind of uh, connection whereby I can enquire and perhaps find another believer um, so that would have been the the main reason for it um, during a time of persecution um, but obviously it may have been also used as a trap you never know <laughs> um, but that's the reason for it being a, a sign because of the the Greek n- mnemonic for ichthus Hmm. any additional insights there father yeah i mean um
2: my one of my most most favorite <laughs> one of my favorite places in Rome is uh the catacombs of san Callistos um and uh if you go down into those catacombs it's where the the uh, Christians were buried in the first centuries under persecution and you see um, lots of these ictus these uh, these fishes, and also um, shepherds, <laughs> good shepherds, uh, sheep and shepherds, and ictus, these signs etched into these walls, these ancient symbols. Um, I think the uh, the listener said, or well, you don 't see it in the Catholic Church or you don 't see it very much in the Catholic Church, if you go to the Church of Annunciation uh, in Walsingham, which of course is the national shrine. Our Lady of Alstingham, if you go to the actual parish church, behind the altar, you will see a stained glass window. And that stained glass window is a big crucifix and corpus of Christ. But if you actually look at the outline that frames the corpus, you will see that it is an ictus, a fish. Um, And uh, you do see them from time to time. Um, They they sort of have this... uh, Sort of Eucharistic connotation i suppose as well don't they with the kind of loaves and fishes uh, that we often have with the uh, jesus's bread and miracles and things but um but yeah um uh, everything you said uh, that that i'm glad you got to look it up i knew i knew i knew that it was a, a an acrostic but i didn't um, uh, i can i can never remember the uh, the greek letters <laughs> i know what it means but i never remember the greek letters so um yeah that's that's all i want to say that's all i can say i'm going to shut up now
0: oh right. don't don't worry you guys did oh brilliant 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 job brilliant job i i do think uh, my children love to because it's something simple to draw as well so we've gone and what they do in their books or something we're like oh add your name but also add a little fish symbol. and so they love it's like their little secret yeah. code <laughs> for their friends all Thank right you. you guys are on a roll today well done well done all right listeners now it's your turn though i want a caller we've had a caller every friday these last couple of weeks and listeners don't don't let us down give us a call the number is 01223 375 564 here we go here we go and let's go with what am i going to go with let's go with ooh this is called the lion and the lamb enjoy
3: Okay. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Amen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Lord, who can stop? The-
0: This is Radio Maria and this is Questions of Faith. Today we've had questions so far about communion, about the symbol of the fish for Christians, and now we're moving on to this next one. Okay, the question is, with the modern times, does the church need to modernize? And if you could do that in your parish, how would you do that? Father Luke, your turn. What do you think?
2: <laughs> um, I'm always very wary of of questions like this, because um, uh, especially if there's not someone on the end of it, um, I, it's great that the, the listeners sent this question in, but I'd like to ask them to uh, define terms. So um, what do you mean by church? Because the church can refer and does refer to multiple realities at the same time. So, the church is the pilgrim people of God. The church is the body of Christ. The church uh, refers to your local parish. The church refers to the family of God. The church uh, occasionally refers to the Vatican. Um, people talk talk about the church and that what they actually mean is the, the, the bishops and the, the people that make the decisions. Um, the church is all of that. Um, so when you say, does the church modernize or does it need to modernize? It modernizes in so far as um, we are living in the modern world. Um, and we move through that world. Um, But I suspect, and I may well be wrong, because I don't know who asked this question, but I suspect uh, what might be behind this question is, does uh, does the church, does the Vatican, does the institution need to modernize? Um, And uh, I would say always yes and no, um, because I like to say yes and no a lot, no um, uh, yes, in so far as as Pope Francis is doing um, with um, the uh, way in which we organize personnel with the the great strides forward in in safeguarding and communication technology and all of of that area, um, still more needs to be done. Um, but there is is so much good in our modern world in terms of uh, technology and communication and, and things we can learn from... Uh, uh, Organisations in the way we we deal with uh, uh, situations. So so in in sort of that I'm talking in in broad brushstrokes here. But in terms of sort of organisation and um, uh, communication, we can we can modernise. And of course we see this on the ground level, don't we? With um, even things like the the streaming and uh, through through the pandemic and, and websites and um, the way that um, we were talking about yesterday, Father Simon, the way we recruit people. And volunteers in the parish that's a very modern way which is a very safe way in trying to uh, understand how how people are what their motivations are what their gifts are Um, but does the church need to modernize in terms of uh, changing uh, teachings to suit the modern world well no of course not Um, we need to present those truths in a way which is intelligible to the modern world which is what the Second Vatican Council was about and continues to be about, making the gospel intelligible. Um, but we don't change those things that cannot be changed, um, like, uh, you know, what it means to be a human person, what it means to be known and loved by God, the sacraments, that God is three and God is, what you know, all of these, uh, you know, staple teachings, uh, we don't change those. So I I could talk infinitum about this and take different tangents off, but I'm going to shut up now because um, (laughs) uh, I want
1: Father Simon to to bail me out. (laughs) No, I I, I completely agree, Luke, because quite often, yes, we have to use the best that is out there in terms of presenting the gospel. We, We need to recognize all kinds of best practice in the world in in terms of communication in terms of uh, the way in which we use uh, social media the way in which we we try and and teach the gospel but the gospel will always be challenging the world and the lord said woe to you when the world speaks well of you Um, And if we say everything the world wants to hear from us and say, oh, yes, we we like it, that you're changing this, you're changing that, that kind of modernization can actually be very dangerous because it is compromising uh, Christ in the world. And the world will always have a problem with Jesus Christ. He came into the world that had its being through him and the world refused to accept him. But to all who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God. That dilemma in in the prologue of John's Gospel is is a dilemma woven into the fabric of, of human society ever since the fact of sin and the fall of humankind. And there will always be resistance to the truth of Jesus Christ because to accept that truth costs us and for many people, it it brings out their pain um, because it is by his wounds that we have been healed. Mm-hmm. And in receiving and understanding uh, the, wounded and the woundedness of Christ, we have to face our own woundedness and people would much rather run away from it because it's much easier to run away from your wounds than than to have them dressed and healed.
0: Oh, it's that's so funny. true, Father Simon.
2: Ooh, and I think, um, I think, just sort of, on, on, you know, on the back of that, I think one of the, the the real problems of our modern age is that our our society and culture in in the UK, but also in the West on the whole, uh, for a long period of time, um, was was broadly Christian, um, and very very quickly has moved further and further away from uh, traditional Christian values. Um, and so, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 70 years ago, 100 years ago, you could live um, relatively comfortably, certainly in this country, um, with a sort of nominal Christian faith and, a, and and just sort of fit in everywhere. Well, I go to church, I do this, and it's all nice. But now the gap between uh, the Gospel, Church teaching, its demands, and the world, and what the world says is okay is is opening up, and this is causing you know difficulties for people, people are actually having to make decisions <laughs> actually saying what who am I going to follow here? you know am I going to follow the 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 glitterati on on Twitter and everything else, or um am I actually going to follow christ and yeah that 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 is a real wake up call for. For for people, for priests, for bishops, for all of us, um, how we navigate those times, being um, loving, um, gentle, truthful, uh, proposing the truth um, in in a loving way, but not compromising on that truth. Um, it's a, it is it is a real challenge, especially now. I mean, the kind of I was talking to someone last night about the fallacy of free speech. Um, we 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 don't really have free speech anymore. There are things that are unacceptable for you and I to talk about mm-hmm. in, in our modern world. Um and that's that that's a real concern.
0: Yeah. Oh thank you Father Lake and Father Simon. Uh one uh, I'm gonna put my little two cents in here too. Like they both said, uh the church is the truth is is the truth. And I think one way, listeners, that the church has in a way modernized is by looking at ways to continue sharing the truth. When anything is having this objective of having the truth, the truth be part of what's happening, then hopefully the fruits will have blossomed. Some modernizations to our church. I can, just, I can name them all, like, oh, I can keep going on and on. But currently, we're now able to live stream our Masses, Priests are able to share their homilies online through social media. There's groups such as uh, Father Mike Schmitz and the Ascension Team's Bible in a Year. I don't know if I would have ever gotten through the Bible without this. Um, I'm not done yet, but to get have this <laughs> modernized podcast there. Listeners, Radio Maria England in itself is a modernizing of the church with how we can gather together to pray. Without the radio, without the phone lines and everything, we are able to communicate and be together to pray the rosary, to 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 talk, to have this dialogue in questions of faith. There's uh I've we've been able to share more with the with not with the invention, but with the internet. The church has embraced this by the Vatican during the pandemic, gave you a virtual tour of the Vatican. And this is all ways to help people wherever they're at to have truth. Other ways um, in keeping truth being brought to us, to to the people, has been adding a loop system to your parish so that those hard of hearing can hear better with what's going on. Microphones, uh, CD players, all these things have been helping with our liturgies And then also simple things such as a database for your parish has helped so much, helped parishes and SVP groups and community members know which parishioners to reach out to, who's isolating, who needs people to come. And it's also been able to really build up us as communities to support one another. Again, when we have truth as being the goal, the church is continually modernizing how it shares that truth, how it spreads the good news and really brings, opens our hearts to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So there you go. That's my answer to modernization.
1: <laughs> Just to, to share one thing with you, I was once phoned in the office at, at headquarters in Bishop's House by someone who was very upset. I can't remember the issue, but he wanted uh to to have his name deleted from the central database of the catholic church (laughs) and i tried explaining to him that the catholic church did not have a central database and that he would need to write to the parish where he was baptized and have a note made in in the physical register and he was quite abusive towards me and say don't treat me as an idiot. You're not telling me that a, a church as wealthy as the Catholic Church doesn't have a central database. And I said, no, we don't. And he called me a very rude word and slammed oh, the phone no. down. But it's just, it, it's strange that people have this presumption that we have the, these sort of modern technologies for the church. And really, we're, we're still, uh, in some senses, at, at the, uh, the, the quill pen stage.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I must mention one more time, only because Saint Lawrence is doing this currently, Father Simon. Um, if so, uh, some par- like I said, parish database, parish, not the church's database. Parish databases are useful for such as helping people come out. Also, uh, it's helpful for um, if you're being, uh, if you're getting married, and you want to look back to see where you're your birth certificate is, no, your your baptism, your first communion, all that stuff. And it also helps people that are starting up groups uh, bring help communicate with you opportunities to serve your parish. So in St. Lawrence right now, we're trying to build up that database, including where your talents, your charisms might be perhaps you like talking to children perhaps like for children's liturgy perhaps you love the word of god and you could become a lector perhaps you have a passion for bringing the body of christ to others to the hospital to uh self-isolating all these things and the church will only know if we start gathering this information and with that we will embolden you to be more part of the community all right, all right, enough about that. Sorry, that's my little plug for for, for Saint Lawrence's.
1: Well, it's it's a it's a way of modernising, if you like. There you it, go. <laughs> which I know we, we recognise that this is an incredibly um, uh, huge question, uh, and does have a variety of, of um, aspects to it, uh, which Father Luke outlined very well.
0: All right, listeners. All right, Father Luke, Father Simon, we're going to go into one more music break. I hope I didn't jinx us by sharing that we've had callers these last couple of weeks. Listeners, we have one last opportunity for you to call in with a question. The number is zero, one, two, two, three, three, seven, five, five. Six, four. If you want to just call in to give us a voice, I can feed you a question to even ask. Or perhaps it's something that's been weighing on you or some the first reading. There's a load of questions you can ask from the first reading from math today. But anyway, again, the number is 564 Here is a jazzy song for you. <laughs>
3: Foundation is Jesus Christ her Lord. She is His new creation by water and the word. From.
0: listeners see technology modernization we have (laughs) rowan judd on the line he's well he's not on the line his mom well i i recorded him and he sent in a question this might be cheating (laughs) but here we go here is rowan's uh question let's see if i can get this to work
3: again if god plans everything did
0: he plan for one of his angels to turn into the devil? Oh, thank oh, you. oh, Rowan bringing out the hard questions. Did God plan on one of his angels becoming the devil? You've only got three minutes to answer this in. Father Luke and Father Simon, go.
1: Um. Well, th- this is an area of, of theology which is... is- it's very difficult because we have we know there is evil in the world and we have to have uh some intellectual model to understand it um because we have been created freely um and I suppose that the one thing which is always doesn't really kind of hook up even in scripture is the fall of the angels and the fall of humankind which are entirely separate events but uh, they obviously do overlap um in, in some ways and that's a a real difficult question um rowan and i i will try and uh, when i see you i'll try and give you the best answer i can uh, but uh, over the airwaves um it's it's uh, a huge one as they might say up north <laughs>
0: The kids like to ask the real hard ones. Father Luke, anything anything briefly you can share with maybe other listeners that might be thinking, oh, wait was second. Just um, uh,
2: the angels were created as free beings as we are created as three beings. So just as we have the freedom to choose God and to reject God, the angels have the freedom to choose God and to reject God. And the fact that God can see all moments uh, uh, at the same time, almost, you know, in a way we can't see, uh, doesn't negate that freedom. So um, the fact that we have free will and the angels had free will um, uh, is opens up that possibility for rejection of God. The angels, of course, are pure spirits. So the decisions they make on their level of free will are, are permanent and different to, to ours. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a question of freedom, rejection, and love. That's all I can say in a minute and a half.
0: Oh my, you've just opened up a can of worms for me. And they go, wait, that makes more questions, but those will have to wait for next week on Questions of Faith.
1: As I like to say, this is the can of worms you kicked down the street.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I will, Father Simon, we will, we will come to you on Sunday. We'll bring you a biscuit as well. Uh, Father Simon, Father Luke, thank you so much for joining us today on Questions of Faith. We want to wish you both a happy Father's Day and a happy feast day of Corpus Christi, Sunday, June 19th. But before we end, Father Simon, could you end our program with a prayer?
1: Let's pray to Mary, our mother. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of mercy. Hail our life, our sweetness and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve, to thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this vale of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary.
0: Pray for us.
1: O Holy Mother of God. Pray for us. Indeed. And there's the dog barking at the door.
0: <laughs> amen. He's shouting, amen, amen.
1: No, he's shouting at somebody at the door.
0: Oh, dear, dear. God bless Father Luke. God bless Father Simon.
1: Okay, God bless Helena. Bless you all. bye Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.